Hey online family, hey. welcome. We're in a series called Acting Up. And hey, our hope in this series is to kind of journey through the book of Acts and to look at it, not to play copycat, uh, but to really look at it as a foundation that we can leap off of and see what it looks like for God to move in our everyday lives. We hope you get a lot out of it. God bless you. See ya. And our hope and our heart in this series has not been to play copycat, um, with the book of Acts. So if, if you're unfamiliar with scripture, there is a book in the Bible, in the New Testament, following the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this book following those Gospels is called the book of Acts. Now, some people call it the Acts of the Apostles. Other people call it Acts of the Holy Spirit. Some people like to argue about all of this nonsense when really it could very simply just be called the book of Acts, you know? Um, but basically it is what Holy Spirit does through people who yield to him. So really it's a combination of the two, isn't it? It's Acts of Holy Spirit through the apostles. But you know what? I don't even really like that because that makes it seem like God can't do the same thing through us, right? Um, don't get me wrong. There are still apostles, people with the gift of apostle today, but I mean, if I asked for a show of hands, how many of y'all are apostles? We'd be like, maybe, you know, we get like one or two of them, you know, but really what we see in the book of Acts is just what happens when Jesus ascends and Holy Spirit comes. That's what we see. And so we've been going through this book, again, not to play copycat, not to look at everything in the book of Acts and turn it into equations. How many of you have ever tried to turn scripture into an equation before? Did it work? No, it doesn't work. God is not interested in our equations. That's something that I've learned. I, I, I can, the thing about equations is I feel like it's me trying to utilize my own strength to make God do something. Instead of me just leveling with him and being like, God, I have no idea how you're going to do it, but let's go, you know, which is a much better lane to live in because then God is not boxed into my limited expectations. How many of y'all know scripture says that our God is able to do far more abundantly beyond? That's a lot of words. All that I could ask or even think Certain translations say, imagine. God is capable and wants to do more than I could ever sit around and think up. God is capable and wants to do more than I could ever sit down and uh, mathematize, you know? I could try to say, okay, well, if I do this, then God might do this, and if I do this, then God will do that, and we make this big road map. Maybe God wants to burn your map and just do something else. But we got to be willing, Amen. So no, no copycat. Ain't nobody got time for that, you know? And, and God wants to do something through you specifically. You are an individual with a realm of influence that does not look anything like anybody else's, and that's beautiful. We get glimpses in the book of Acts into individuals with specific realms of influence and what that looks like, but that does not mean that that is exactly how God is going to move in your situation. The book of Acts ought to inspire us about what God can do takes the limits off, right? Like when I see, when I read that, that people were like just sitting out like sunbathing, waiting for the shadow of Peter to hit them so that they could get healed, I'm like, that's pretty cool. How many of y'all think that's pretty cool? 
Now, that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm going to go sunbathing tomorrow. Well, I might go sunbathing tomorrow. We'll just see what happens, you know? But God might do it like that. He might not do it like that. But I'll tell you what Peter didn't do. He didn't sit down and go, I'm going to go for a walk. And everyone whose shadow, my shadow hits, is going to be healed. I, very, I doubt that's what happened. I bet you Peter was just going after God, and he was like, I'm going to walk. And then there was overflow of God's presence and power. And that's what hit people. It wasn't some fancy plan. Ain't nobody got time for our fancy plans, including me. My plans are empty and rigid and dumb. God's plans are beautiful, quirky. I love that about God, that he's like quirky, that he does things in like these hilarious ways, again, that I could not come up with. How many of y'all would like to see God shake you up a little bit? Yeah? yeah? How many of y'all are open to change? Yeah? How many of y'all are open to letting your walls down and letting God invade? I got less yes on that for some reason. It's like if we were doing like a clap contest, that last one would have gotten, you know, the fail mark, you know? Anyway, so uh, last week, Pastor Paul kind of led us up right to where we are today, which is Acts chapter 9. Can you all say Acts 9? Now, I would encourage you, if first service is any indicator, I am not going to get through my message, and that is okay. But here's what I would encourage you to do, is I would encourage you to read Acts 9 this week. Is that okay? Can y'all do that? It's not that long, okay? Um, I would encourage you, if, if, if Bible reading sucks for you, it doesn't have to, okay? You need to hear that. I know that some people, I have conversations with people, and they're like, Bible reading is just kind of boring, and, and, I, and I can understand. I can, I can see where people are coming from, because one, if you're not reading things that you like actually understand, like if, if you have a hard time with all of the these and thous and thuses, then you probably shouldn't read a King James Version, okay? So there's some practical stuff in get a translation that you can read. If you don't have one, we want to give you one after service. We'll hook you up. But I would also say, ask Holy Spirit to help you. Last week, Pastor Paul, he, he told this story about this, uh, it was a eunuch, this, this guy who wanted to know God but didn't really know God and was even reading scripture in Isaiah. And, and the Lord sent this dude named Philip, who was a believer, Holy Spirit filled, and, and Holy Spirit said, go talk to this guy. He goes up, he talks to him. Again, this guy is reading Isaiah. He's trying to read scripture. And you know what Philip asks him? Hey, do you understand what you're reading? You know what the guy says? How could I? Like, I've been there. Y'all ever read your Bible and you're like, this, uh, 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 what is this? I would encourage you in that moment, don't shut down. Ask Holy Spirit to show you something. And then continue to, to make yourself available in, in atmospheres like this, right? Because how many of y'all have learned something here before? Me too, man. I love coming together and learning in this place. So we're in a good spot. We're going to learn. Holy Spirit is with us. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Awesome. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Any words that I have underlined, I would appreciate it if you guys could read them with me. It says this, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, how many of y'all have ever heard of Saul before? Yeah? 
Um, how many of y'all have ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Yeah? Okay, just for clarification, same dude, okay? The Apostle Paul is the same dude as this Saul that we see here and that we're reading about. Um, sometimes we get so familiar with Scripture that we kind of, sometimes familiarity can make things kind of watered down. Y'all know what I'm saying? Um, I like this because this reminds me of how radical Saul was. Saul was a terrorist of his day. Like he was. Like some, I, I tell people like, hey, God loves terrorists. And they're like, are you even allowed to say that? You better believe I'm allowed to say that. Because this guy was going after a group of people who believed a specific thing, wanting to murder them for believing that specific thing. Hashtag terrorist. Right? Like that would define a terrorist. Now, what I absolutely love about this is first and foremost, God doesn't run away from the terrorist. God reveals himself to the terrorist. Check this out, reading on. It says this, and, and he was traveling, so again, he's on his way to do this stuff. He's on his way to round up people to be murdered. It says, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who said that? Jesus said that, right? That's Jesus speaking. So Jesus doesn't run away, doesn't go, you radical evil person. I don't want to have anything to do with you. No, he's like, Saul, what's up, man? Why are you doing this? Basically, he's like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Isn't that beautiful? For, he, doesn't even, he doesn't even attack him. Do you recognize that? He's not saying, Saul, Saul, shame on you, is he? He's not saying, uh, Saul, you filthy thing. He's saying, Saul, why are you doing this? I like that. I like that our God is, is not an accuser, but an inspirer. I like that our God invites us into conversation. I like that our, in a, in a question, a question is an invitation, isn't it? We can rant all day. We can scream statements of opposition all we want. It's not going to do anything ever. It won't. But when we start to ask people about intentions of the heart, that changes things, doesn't it? It's like, well, hey, well, why? Why are you doing this? And I'm pretty sure that if I just got like knocked to the ground with the glory of the Lord, I'd be listening up. How about you? How about the rest of you who didn't say yet? Are you awake this morning? Do we need to take a coffee break? Huh? How about a praise break? Hallelujah! There we go. <laughs> So, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So check it. First of all, he asked him, why are you doing this, man? And then reading on, says, who are you, Lord? Saul immediately goes, whoa, there's something about this. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up, enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias and the Lord said to him in a vision Ananias 
And Ananias said, here I am, Lord. Now, anytime you say, here I am, Lord, buckle up. Okay? Just buckle up. Because if you're, if, if you're anything like me, usually me making myself available means me making myself vulnerable. Real Christianity is not comfortable. I, I want to tell you that. You will be comforted in the midst of uncomfortability, but you will be called into said uncomfortability. Did you hear me? You need to know that. I, when we talk to people about Jesus, sometimes it's all fluffy pillows and rainbows. Now, don't get me wrong. Fluffy pillows are great. I like a good rainbow. I'm not hating on that. But that is not the promise, okay? That is a part of the promise. But another part of the promise is that we are called into engaging with people who might be a little rough around the edges. Right? So if you say, here I am, you better be there. All right? Now, I'm not trying to say this to scare you off from engaging with God or, or conversing with him. Because Ananias, he goes on, and check this out. Uh, this is how the conversation sh takes shape. The Lord said to him, get up <laughs> and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas. And Ananias right now is probably like, yeah, 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 I can do this. I can get up. I can go to the street called Straight. I can go to the house of Judas. For a man from Tarsus named Saul. Who? Saul, for he is praying, and yeah, this is probably like, yeah, praying for me to die, what? <laughs> he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. This is God saying, Ananias, there's this guy. I want you to go to him. Oh, yeah, it's Saul, the terrorist. Now, you got to remember, Ananias probably knew some of the people that were being rounded up for murder, right? Uh, last week, Pastor Paul talked about Stephen with a PH, and he was stoned with rocks. And uh, he very well could have known Stephen, right? So this, he probably had some personal impact, some personal investment in this situation. And God's saying that's the very same person who is hurting your family, Christians, believers, who's hurting me, Jesus, I, I go to him and love on him. Isn't that remarkable? Reading on. But, An <laughs> but Ananias answered, and you can argue with God, so long as you know he's going to win. <laughs> All right, if you just need to, like, get, get it out. Right? Like, if, if you're going to be sassing, sass quickly, then shut your mouth, you know? Because, like, I, I think it's okay to be real with God. When God says things to me, and I'm like, I don't get it, you know? Like, I, I don't understand what's going on here. That's okay, because then it gives God opportunity to speak to those uh, misconceptions or those false ideas that I have. You don't have to pretend that you're along for the ride if you need him to explain to you some things. But at the end of that explanation, you just need to go, okay, you're God, I'm not, let's go. Amen? Cool. So, it says, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority. Can y'all say authority? authority? From the chief priests to bind 
all who call on your name. Ananias is basically saying, you're sending me to go when I'm the one he's after. God, I don't know if you got the memo here. Uh, I'm going to go to jail and I'm probably going to die. God's like, no, you don't even know. You don't even know what I got going on behind the scenes. Let's read the next verse. This is God's perspective. Y'all ready to read it? But the Lord said to him, go. <laughs> Hold on. Go, right? He's like, no, it's just, okay, now it's time for you to stop. Go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. Someone is being violent. Someone is doing very impactful and negative things. And therefore, we write them off because we see them as a weapon. I want to encourage every person here today. People might be very influential and in a very bad way, but do not write them off. Do not shut down on them. Do not throw in the towel. Just go, I cannot imagine if God got in here. What once was a weapon could become an instrument playing a beautiful song. Because from God's perspective, the weapon is a chosen instrument. They just don't know it yet. And what's the answer to that? To say, you suck, weapon. How could you? Oh, ick. That's not the answer. The answer is to go, why are you doing this? You know God loves you. And when God is filling those words, when God is inspiring those words, when God is speaking into those lives, something beautiful and radical happens. And that's what we see here. Because again, Saul of Tarsus went to Paul of Christ. A beautiful, dynamic change happened, and Paul ended up just being a total rock star. Like, y'all know the majority of the New Testament is written by this dude right? Like, that's pretty big. If, we, if, if those books were gone, I mean, we'd have a lot less to go off of. You know, I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful for this guy. I'm grateful that God did not write off Saul. I'm grateful that Ananias had, had uh, the, 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 the recognition of need to enter into this invitation God had given him, because stuff changes. So, this is the word that I want to kind of uh, unpack a little bit. He is a chosen instrument of mine. Um, how many musicians we got in the room? Yeah? Um, do you guys have like a chosen instrument? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, y'all see me play the, the telly, right? Um, I, have, I have this other acoustic guitar, and you guys might have noticed it's got like a big crack right down the middle. But I just love it so much, you know? It's like, it, uh, some people might look at my acoustic guitar and go like, huh, what's with that big crack down the middle of it, you know? It's like, it's mine. It's my chosen instrument. Leave me alone. I love this thing, you know? Um, but artists seem to have chosen instruments, a specific vessel that they, they love and they want to use. Um, and God sees every single person as his chosen instrument. Now, now, your song might look different than Saul's, but nonetheless, you have an original song that God wants to play through you. Did you hear me? 
Um, Y'all want to know how much the most expensive guitar in the world is worth? Some of y'all don't. I'm going to tell you anyways. You might as well say, yes, I am dying to know this. Yes, thanks, John. The most expensive guitar in the world is Jimi Hendrix is. It's 1968 Fender Stratocaster. Guess how much it goes for? It was auctioned off to some dude at Microsoft for $2 million. That's a, that's a lot of money, ain't it? Y'all don't think so? Go ahead, slip it in the offering. <laughs> we'll take it, you know? If that doesn't blow your socks off, uh, it'll blow our socks off. We're eager, you know? Um, <laughs> just being real. Um, but $2 million is a lot of money for a guitar. Now, what's funny is, is this specific guitar doesn't even have that many bells and whistles. It's a Fender Stratocaster. You could go right now and get a brand new one, unsweated on, unplayed, for if you wanted like a Mexican-made one, you'd probably be looking at like the $750 to $1,000 range. If you wanted an American-made one, you're looking at like $1,600. You know, I haven't been guitar shopping for a while, so feel free to fact check me on that. I don't know, but roughly, nowhere near $2 million, right? What's funny is, as I was looking this up, the, the specific phrasing that it said, and, and this is, we're going to run with this, it says, on its own, this guitar is nothing spectacular. Interesting. On its own, this, this guitar, it's nothing spectacular. I feel like, on my own, I, I'm nothing spectacular, you know? But, but, but in Jimmy's hands, this Stratocaster can make noises nobody would ever even heard. That's you. In God's hands, if we will recognize that we are chosen instruments, I don't care how flashy or unflashy you are, God can make some sounds through you. He has a song to sing through you that the world has never seen before. You are a chosen instrument. And everyone else is a chosen instrument. I'm talking about the long-lost guitar in the corner of the attic getting dusty, right? Like the uninspired person who feels like they're just stuck in a rut. You're a chosen instrument. You just need to know it. I'm here today to tell you, get up, let God dust you off and do something he wants to. And I'm also talking to the guitar up on stage making all sorts of nasty noise, being used but in the wrong way. I want to say, you have a beautiful gift. What if you gave it to God? What could he do? You know, if someone would have asked me, and I might have, I might have when I was wearing, like, putting up a front for people, but when I was utilizing like all of my gifts, any kind of influence I had um, in a negative way, if someone would have asked me like, Stephen, is that fulfilling you? It's just like a real question, right? Like, why are you doing this? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Stephen, Stephen, why are you convincing everyone around you to do drugs? Stephen, Stephen, why, why are you, I mean, the list could go on, guys, you know it, you know? If someone would have asked me that, like I might have put up a front 
And I mean, we do, right? Like people put up fronts. Sometimes when serious questions are asked, you know, humorous dismissals are responded. So I might have been like, <laughs> shut up, you know. But I feel like if God leads us to say, hey, man, you are so valuable and you are doing amazing and, and, and tremendous things, but what if God filled those? Do you know you were designed by God? Do you know that there is fulfillment when you yield these things? You yield yourself to him? Because I knew I wasn't full. I'll tell you that right now. Like, I was vividly aware of my emptiness. Why? Because I always needed someone else to fill me. Something else to fill me. I knew that there was no fulfillment in all of the other things I was letting play me. But if I would just submit to the very purpose for which I was created and say, okay, God, I was designed to work in cooperation with you. I was designed by you and for you. Then you enter into some stuff that actually fulfills you. This is purpose. But that's a lot different than saying, hey, you noisy, ridiculous thing, quiet. Nobody wants to hear that. You're evil. It's saying, no, you are impactful. Do you know God? Do you know his heart for you? What happens if the most influential people give their lives to God? I'm talking about the people that like the, the loud and proud haters of the world, right? Like the anti-God people. Are you, are you bad-mouthing them, church? Because and, and I don't want you to answer this. I want you to think about this. The church does not have a free pass on gossip when it comes to the world. Do you hear me? Maybe you need to stop watching so much news. Now, I don't care. Get informed. That's great. If you get informed, I'm cool with that. Okay? But if it's causing you to spend your time maligning people instead of investing in people, you might want to make a change. Right? Right? Is that, is that right or no? Because, like, that's, that's for you to ask yourself. I, I guess I don't need you to say yes to that. I need you to just take that home, you know? Because, like, I know that we're like, oh, well, I don't want to talk bad about my friends. I don't want to talk bad about a church member. I don't want to talk bad about this. But that person out there, they want to do what? They want to vote how? They suck! That's not appropriate. That's not appropriate. Now, I want to replace that, okay? I'm not saying you can't take action. I'm just calling you to something a little bit harder, but a little bit more impactful, which is engage with them. Don't shout at them from afar. Get up close. Because just like God called Ananias to go in, I mean, Ananias must have just been like, oh, this is so scary because, God, if you're not behind this, I am in trouble, right? He goes in, he's going to lay hands on this dude and pray for him. Like, that's as close as you can get. But God sees people in a different way. And every one of us, we can see people in a different way. I don't buy the facades. I don't, I don't buy the show that people put on. I just don't. I don't, I don't recognize the lie. I just want to speak truth to it. I want to go and, and, and 
tell people who don't know how beautiful they are. Like seriously, that's my heart. I remember, oh, cry voice, it's hard to preach. Um, I remember Kara and I, when we were in Atlanta, there was, um, there was a woman in the distance in Something about her, and, and not in, I promise you, not in any kind of like sexual or weird way, but like, I was just like, wow, she is such a beautiful child of God. And like, I asked Kara and Summer, like, how could I phrase that in a way that's not creepy? Like, how, how can I tell someone like, you are so beautiful? People don't hear that. People hear moaning about each other, comparison. But to give a compliment, there's a reason why compliments are so hard to receive. It's because we're not used to getting them. Let's be encouragers. Let's encourage people who need it. Let's speak life into death. Let's speak truth into lie. Let's speak light into darkness. These are all biblical concepts. And it's the New Testament church. But enabled to do that, guys, we can't look at the surface. And it... I guess we can't just give weight to the surface. Because this, no matter how loud or flashy it is, a lot of it's probably just a show. You know, I was thinking about it, and, and you know, in Scripture, Jesus, when he was equipping uh, 70 disciples about to send them out, he said, hey, guys, uh, He's about to send them out, and he says, pray that God would send laborers into the field for harvest. Have y'all ever prayed for laborers to go out into the harvest? Yeah, what a lot of people don't know is that verse is immediately followed with the words, go now, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. Do you know that? That's what it says. A lot of people are just like, I don't really want to engage, so I'm going to pray for God to send laborers. <laughs> Someone else, go. And then like right after that, Jesus is like, Y'all go. You pray, but you go. You praying for laborers is not an excuse to disengage, right? Like we go and we pray. And I like that phraseology that we are being sent out as sheep. Sheep, they, they don't look all that impressive, do they? Sheep, sheep in, in, in this day and age were known as sacrifice. Peaceful. That's us self-sacrificial, peaceful, going out into the midst of wolves. Is that a logical decision? Someone please tell me. Do sheep walking into a batch of wolves, does that make sense? That doesn't make sense, but that's what we're called to do. And I love it. I love it because we are not just called to be in the midst of wolves. I believe that there are some wolves out there just waiting, just waiting to be turned into a fellow sheep. You know, I believe that genuinely. And when we tell people, rather than when we're violently opposed to them, but if we can be again encouraging and just not, uh, not respond according to their flesh, but according to who they are in Christ and the potential inside of them, that's going to make a difference. You know, inside of every wolf, there's a little puppy. You know? Seriously, I know this for a fact because I was watching YouTube. I was trying to find a good video about this. And, and 
I was on YouTube, but you all know that can be a dangerous, uh, you know, adventure. You get sucked into all these wolf videos, you know. But my favorite one, I don't have it, but you all can Google it later, you know, is there's this wolf, and he is just having a blast because there is someone just rubbing his tummy. He just, you know, like, and like most people aren't going to rub a wolf's tummy, right? I mean, if you all see a wolf, are you like, come here? Oh, right? No, like a lot of us are like, wolf, go! You know, like, which, which that is not the Christian response. The Christian response is like, 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 y'all ever seen like, I, I don't, I, it's, I'm having a hard time remembering a specific one, but I know I've seen a movie where this happens. I don't know if it's King Kong. I don't know what it is, but like there's this like violent, loud animal, and then there's just like one person that's willing to be like, I love you. And then the animal's just like, oh, you know? I see us just like, I, like I'm, I'm seriously, I'm seeing in my mind right now, just like a, like a raging teeth out wolf and just a hand being set on its head and just saying, I love you and all of that tension, just relaxing. That's real and that's possible. And that's what we're called to. But that will only happen if we recognize that every person, including us, is a chosen instrument. Amen? So can you say, I am a chosen instrument? Say, everyone around me is a chosen instrument. And then say, help me, Lord. Because <laughs> we can be real about this. If, if, if anybody here, you have a very hard time loving the haters, um, I'm going to lay some things out for you. You may like these. You may not like these. I don't care. I feel like God gave them to me to say. Um, you can throw tomatoes at me. Um, I, I'm wearing all white. Please don't, but if you must, you know. Um, but I genuinely would like, even if these things, when, if I say any of these and they make you go, uh, at all, um, don't respond emotionally. Relax. Ask God if there's something to it. I'm not infallible. Y'all know that, okay? Um, but I would encourage you just to take it and go, what does this mean to me? Because if it upsets you, there's probably a reason it upsets you, right? So here we go. One, so this is if you have a hard time loving the noisy, evil, ridiculousness, this is for you. One, don't be mad at the godless for acting ungodly. Introduce them to God. Okay? All these sinners out there, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Okay, so go inject life and light and love there. Go show them God, right? Like, guys, until someone showed me who God was and that I was accepted and that he was loved and he loved me, like, man, I was a part of the succession of hell and handbasketness. But it didn't help for anybody just to say, oh, you nasty old thing. But when somebody came up to me and said, no, 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 no. You're loved. You don't know it. You have a purpose. You don't know it. Your influence is a good thing. It's just got to be shifted. That's powerful. That is powerful, you guys. So don't hate. Don't 
blame the godless for acting ungodly. I've been there. You can ask me, what are you thinking, pastor, if I'm doing something ungodly? Because guess what? I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. So you can say, hey, man, what's going on? And I'll be like, okay, I need to listen to that, right? I need to let God show me if there's truth and power to this. But we are not to accuse the world. We're to introduce the world to Jesus. That needs a bigger amen. Because we are not called to hate the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son self-sacrificially. Don't waste your time. Again, the only word I got is gossiping about the world and how dark it is. It's not worth it. Let's change things. Yeah? Is that okay? Can we change some things? Cool. So that's the first thing I got. Secondly, you don't have to love what someone is doing to love that someone. I'm going to say that again. You don't have to love what someone is doing to love that someone. That, I mean, that's self-explanatory. Ask Holy Spirit to show you his love for people. Um, every time I, I think I'm going to get through a sermon without saying this scripture, but Romans 5.5, 5, y'all know it. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God's love is in you. If you have a hard time seeing it, don't beat yourself up. Don't get in a funk. Don't kick violently against it. There's no point to any of that. Just say, Holy Spirit, I know you're in me, and I want my perspective to be your perspective. Amen? Amen. Uh, and then, and then <laughs> I like this one because it's simple. So if, if there's some rigidity here, like, oh, the Holy Spirit stuff, I don't know. Well, here, I'll give you some straight up Jesus said this scripture. Um, the last thing I would tell you is submit to Jesus instruction. Uh, Luke 6, verses 35 through 36. Y'all ready? So it says, but love your enemies and do good. Now, this scripture right here, if you read a few verses back, this isn't just saying, love your enemies do some other good stuff. This is saying, love your enemies, do good to them. Okay? I'm serious. If you don't believe me, go back a few verses. In this context, it says, do good to those. And then it says, and lend expecting nothing in return. I love that. I love that. We just give. That's what I like about the giveaway that we do here at the church, right? Like, people are blown away. Because we're just like, here you go. You can have it. But don't you, what can I, how can, just a gift. You don't get to do nothing. Just a gift, take it, right? What is that a type of? The gospel, ain't it? We're preparing people's hearts to receive without any input. We ain't going to slap a quarter sticker on it. Mm, mm, mm. You can buy a lot of kickballs with the stuff that we raised from the giveaway. We aren't going to do that, though, because this specific event is just to bless people, to preheat their hearts for the gospel. And it says, and your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High and daughters. For, y'all ready to read? He himself 
is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. That puts it pretty cleanly, doesn't it? God is kind to ungrateful and evil men. We are called, church, to be kind. Can you say kind? That's intentional. That is not passive. This, this isn't passive aggression. Okay, this isn't like, I'm just going to be polite. You know, we can be very polite up here. You know, like the, like the Midwest, just if you guys don't know this about us, we are known for being very polite. But, you know, I've heard a lot of very polite people turn their back and say a lot of very unpolite things the minute that they're no longer in conversation with them. That is not our call. We are not called to be passive-aggressive. We are called to be kind. But be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is saying God is kind to evil and ungrateful people, and we are called as his children to be kind to evil and ungrateful people. Y'all believe that? Y'all want to receive that? Because the Holy Spirit can do it through us, right? Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. If you don't know what that means, look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Um, so, anybody here ever seen the show American Pickers? Yeah? I feel like we're called to be like kingdom pickers. Uh, let, me, let me explain. So again, we know, not everybody knows that everybody in the world is a chosen instrument. Right? Like again, like a lot of people will, will look at people in accordance with what they're currently doing or not doing and judge them accordingly. I don't see people like that. I see what God paid for them, therefore their worth is through the roof. So, knowing that, knowing, and, and knowing people's potential, again, like, ah, I want to be treasure hunters. I want this church to just go out and show people how beautiful they are. I really do, like, that's, that's part of our call is to show people you are, you are a beautiful creation of God and he, he desires to live in vibrant relationship with you and you're going to see him inspire and bring fulfillment to the things that he calls you into. That's powerful and it's beautiful. But, but so these American pickers, right? Um, Pastor Dana, she loves this show. She could watch it for days, you know? Like, um, what, what was the old one? Like the something show house? The, it's like an auction show. Antique Roadshow. Yes, Antique Roadshow. Uh, American Pickers is like the saucy Antique Roadshow, right? Because it's like, out. We're going out and finding the goods, you know? Like, that's what I want our attitude to be. And the thing about watching American Pickers is, again, like, I look at this stuff, just being real, I look at just about everything they buy on that show and invest in that show, and I'm just like, this looks like junk. Like, you're going to sell this for how much? This is ridiculous. You better just, like, drop that and run. And they, like, go into it, too. You know what I mean? Like, they're climbing over junk. They are in the junk to find the treasure. That's us, church. We do not cubby off and wait for the treasure to present itself. Did you hear me? We need to go out 
And, and, and again, every person is a treasure, but there are specific people throughout your day that God will highlight. Your heart will be drawn to specific people that you are called to engage with. They might be stinky. They might be profane. They might look like they got it all together. They might be intimidatingly smart. I don't care. They're a chosen instrument of God. And you don't need to be intimidated. You don't need to be underwhelmed. But I'm just saying, what, what I would dismiss as junk can have a lot of value. What the world dismisses as junk has a lot of value. What the church dismisses as junk has a lot of value. I want us to be a church that, I'm going to say it, I don't know what kind of impact this is going to have, but I want to be a church that reaches out to the people that the church has given up on. You know? I want us to be those people. I want us to be those ridiculous, radical lovers that we're called to be. I want us to go and I want, I want, I want other Christians being like, what are you thinking? For real. I want people to be like, aren't you going to get, like, dirty? Aren't you afraid that you're going to get unholy? No, because I overflow with the Spirit of God wherever I go. Jesus could touch those. You know, you know, you know in, in the Old Testament, you weren't allowed to touch people who had infirmities, especially women with issues of blood. Did you know this specifically? You go back in the Old Covenant. We're taking a quick little bunny trail. But in the Old Covenant, you were women who during their time of menstruation, they were like put off limits, essentially. You know what? Jesus, he is like, go ahead, touch the cape. You don't have to be afraid of things rubbing off on you if your heart is genuinely fixed on God. I'm telling you that, and, and, and I'm not saying that as some kind of excuse for us to go, yeah, I'm going to participate. You can participate with people who are doing even ridiculous things and not do the ridiculous things. Did you hear me, church? I, I loved, Peg, you, you shared a story about being at a bar and speaking a word of knowledge to somebody who desperately needed it. I find that beautiful. A lot of people might be like, you were in a what? You are where? How, how, how could you beg? Well, God did something there, didn't he? Come on, church. Like, I'm saying this to me, too. I need to be intentional because sometimes I'm not even avoiding the world. Sometimes I'm just avoiding inconvenience. Sometimes for me to go out into this community and eat dinner, I don't want to do it because I'm kind of an introvert. And I don't really want to go there. You know, like some people think that because I'm loud and I'm in your face, I'm an extrovert. I'm not. Parties on the other side of parties, on the other side of church, you will find me laid out on a couch being like, thank you, Jesus. We made it. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm all here right now and I love this right now. But I'm just saying I'm not yearning in my free time to go out into the thick of it. But when I start to think of the fact that there are chosen instruments, that there is treasure out there, 
Then I'm like, oh yeah! This is gonna be fun! And it can be fun! It can be. Let's not box our, like, our, our Christianity into these, these very stoic-sounding conversations where we have to take a break from just eating dinner and be like... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can talk to God, or you can talk to people about God just like you would talk to somebody about anything else, but there's going to be potency in your transparency and in your realness. When it seems like you're just like all of a sudden jumping ship to present a sales pitch. No thanks. Blech. I, I don't want it. You know, just being real. Like some things work in some days and ages. I'm not, I'm not, I promise you I'm not bashing what anybody does. Okay, because sometimes people be hitting the streets and they're being led to talk to very specific people about very specific things and I love that. But I'm just saying, we don't blanket coat this stuff with a halfway engagement. Let's get in there. Let's be real. And let's talk about God in a real way. Amen, church. Amen. You know what inspires people? Talking to them about what God wants in their life. And if they want to hear some examples, talk about what God has done in your life. Doesn't need to go into a seven principles of receiving the gospel conversation. Okay? Just being real. You don't have to do that. I am going to shut down the minute you say this is what the Bible says if I don't know God. I don't care if I don't know God. Kara tried it. I didn't care. You know what did reach? You know what did hit? Their family loving me even though I was a hot mess. Their family speaking life to a dead boy who thought he had it all together but knew inside that he didn't. That's us. That's our call. Amen? Amen? So, Ananias, he had a mission to go out and introduce. Um, there's another gentleman, again, and I'm going to make this quick. Um, there's an, another gentleman in Scripture called Barnabas. Can you all say Barnabas? Barnabas? Now, Barnabas is a legend, and I feel like just because of the way the narration took shape in the book of Acts, like, I wish there was, like, an Acts part two that, like, told me Barnabas' story. Like, I'm stoked to get to heaven and talk to Barnabas one day and be like, hey, man, can you, like, fill me in on some of this stuff? You know, but um, when Saul was received by the church, he wasn't really received by the church. Like, like again, people who are received by God are not always received by his people. And that is a certified bummer. Wouldn't you agree? Um, so there's this, there's this dude named Barnabas, and, you know, so Paul, Ananias goes, lays hands on Paul is just lit up. Paul is just like recklessly converted his life for Jesus, and now he's out telling everybody about him. And, and the disciples look at him, and they're like, I don't buy it. He's a spy. Right? Like he's just trying to infiltrate. He's the wolf. Do you actually believe that wolves can be converted to sheep? Because if you don't, this is not going to make sense. And you're going to bar off people who could have wild influence for Jesus. It can actually happen. And so Barnabas, eventually what happens is uh, Barnabas, there's, there's two rounds where Barnabas has to like fetch Paul. Okay? The first time is, again, Paul was out. He was preaching the gospel and, and people were loving it. And he ends up, he's trying to engage with the disciples. Okay? He's like, hey guys, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of the family. I want to help. And they're like, 
no thanks, man. Not really. Not buying it. So this dude named Barnabas, um, he's like, nah, Paul, I got you. I'll read it to you in scripture. It says this, if I can find it. Here we go. Acts 9, 26 through 28. I know we skipped a lot of scripture, Ben. It says this. This is talking about Paul. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. People are looking for fellowship. People who have embraced the truth that God has embraced them are finding themselves unembraced by the church. It says, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Wow. Next verse. Ha! Y'all ready to read? But Barnabas took hold of him. Again, I think all of us are called in some capacity to reach out to the people that the church is afraid of. Because just imagine, again, just imagine if their zeal was flipped for Jesus. It can actually happen. And so it says that Barnabas took hold of him and brought him. He brought him to the apostles and described to, him, to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. So Barnabas was conversing with Paul, hearing his story, how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and, it, and that how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So Barnabas is like, I believe you, Paul. I believe God is capable of flipping this on its head. And I embrace you. I want to invite you to a family who is going to embrace you. But guess what happens? Paul, again, he's kind of loud, you know? He was loud anti-God, and now he's loud for God. And so what they end up doing is they end up sending Paul away. <laughs> You know, and, and again, I don't know if this was good or bad. Scripture doesn't really have all that much to say about it. But what it does say is that they sent Paul away. Now, after some time goes by, again, Barnabas, shout out to Barnabas. He ends up going out to a church at, um, where? Antioch. Thank you, Mark. He goes to Antioch and he's like, okay, this is cool. What's going on here? I'm going to go find Paul, I'm going to bring him here, and we are going to start something crazy. So again, sometimes, sometimes there's a little bit of kick. Sometimes the church will expel those who are even brought forward because they're making a little bit of a mess. They don't fit into our pretty little box. I want our box to get bigger. Don't you? I think there's some noises we haven't even heard yet. I think there's some styles of preaching that we have never seen before. I think there's some relational dynamics that I've not even known were possible that we're going to see. I think God wants to work in your realm of influence in ways that you don't even understand or know. So, wrapping up. I think part of our call in this community is to love, respect, and invest in those whom the world and the church have given up on. Did you hear me? I'm going to read that again. I think part of our call in this community, can you all say this community? I'm talking Menominee. I'm not talking concepts. I'm not talking maybe someday. I'm talking about you, like when you go anywhere in this community. I think part of our call in Menominee is to love, respect, and invest in those whom the world and the church has given up on. 
I think that's important. So, uh, influencers in this community who seem anti-God, engage with them. I have a very specific example that is as close as this all is, is I can't really talk about it all that much without getting into too much detail. This person will be like, yeah, what'd you, well, how come? Not cool, you know? You talked about this from the stage. But I'm telling you, there are some pretty vocal anti-God people that I've just surrounded myself with, and I've been able to have some pretty fun conversations and level with them. And you know what? They're a lot less anti-God when someone who knows him goes in there and says, but do you really know him? People are fighting against a concept of God that's largely misconception, you guys. You have to know that and remember that. When people are attacking God, it's very rarely Jesus, as he actually is. It's like, it's all of this like political nonsense most of the time. Seriously, the amount of time I have to spend telling people that Christianity is not Republican conservatism, just being real. The amount of time I have to spend doing that is, is a lot. But then when I do that, and then I say, but do you know Jesus? Doors open. Because ain't, and the message of Jesus, whoo, it's beautiful isn't it? So don't, don't feed people's misconceptions. Just speak truth into lie. Amen? Cool. So do y'all believe that you are chosen instruments? Yeah. Yes. Do you believe that everyone else is a chosen instrument? Yeah. Cool. Then let's be a church that embraces these people, looks for them, and embraces them. Kingdom pickers. Yeah? yeah. Awesome. Hey church family, Gary here. We want to talk about some of the ways that you can give. One of the ways you can give is with the envelopes which are on the back of most of the chairs. Just grab an envelope, clearly print all the information on the back, and then drop it into the white boxes which are located near the doors in the sanctuary. Another way to give is with text messaging. So send a text message to 77977 saying, love giving, and then wait a second for the response Click the link, set the amount you want to give, whether it's a reoccurring gift, and then hit give. Another way to give is on the website. Go to www.wearelovechurch.com. Up at the top, you're going to see a word saying give. Click that. You'll see a button that says click here to give. So go ahead and click it. And then it's going to take you to a page asking you the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or reoccurring gift. Go ahead and hit next and then confirm. Another way you can give is with the Love Church app. You can download it from the iOS store or the Google Play store. Once it's installed, just open it up. You'll see a button that says Give. Tap that. Select the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or a reoccurring, and then hit Give.